Hi, I'm Mike Tucker. I'm the design director at Bitmap Bureau. Please enjoy the Scene World podcast. Hello, welcome to the Scene World podcast. Hi, hi. With Dennis and me. And with Jörg. Exactly, exactly. So, in a minute, Jay and I will be talking to Chris Hülsbeck. And this time not about his past, but about the albums he released recently and actually is working on as well. So, right before Christmas, we wanted to present that to you. So, because you probably had like zillions of interviews with Chris Hülsbeck about his past, and now we we thought we'd take the chance to talk about the present and a bit of the future, I mean, as much as he can tell so far. But before that, some news. It's time for the news. Exactly. So, one of the news is that um, NotePond, which is our gra one of our graphic artists and web programmer, actually started a new uh, 2D shooting games newsletter. Wow, cool. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, from his game label Storm Electricity. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So, link, link to that will follow, of course. And also, um, Endstream, which we had for um, a long while ago as guests in our podcast, announced that they are actually partnering with a backbone and offering a 30% discount to all Endstream players. Backbone is um, an attachment for mobile phones to have, like, turn your mobile phone into a game game console, you know? It's like a game controller attachment to the mobile phone. And 30% off with the discount, thanks to the partnership with Endstream. Really cool. Yes, and also news. Um, the I mean, we mentioned last time the Intellivision Amico Home app is now available also for iOS. Um, yeah, and well, it got some so-so coverage in the press because, as we mentioned last time, you really need at least two phones or three phones because you need one phone for the console emulation and mm -hmm. another two phones for the Amico controller. Oh, yeah. So you actually have to connect two or three phones with each other to emulate the whole console. Yeah. And, Sounds and, pretty complicated. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, from what from what Phil Phil <laughs> Adam actually mentioned is that's an idea of bringing in revenue, so it is possible with the revenue back then, hopefully in the future, to make the console itself. We will see about yeah. that. We'll anyway, see. that's we'll the plan so far, you know. Yeah. Well. Also, other news is um, oh, you probably heard about that. The um, the Russian developing studio Fantastic actually shut down because of a game 
and um, and anticipated MMO, and it turned out that this MMO was actually a, um, was actually asset flipping. So what it actually yeah. did is, is it used um, um, it used uh, now I forgot the name of the engine. What's what's the engine from uh, Epic? Ah. Uh, Unity. Unity. No, no, not, not Unity. Unreal. Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Now and now and now. My brain. So anyway, so the the game, the game the day before, actually released and it's uh, and it it was found out that actually it's using um, the Unreal Engine assets from mm. the from mm. the market. So the game is actually, so to, so to speak, fake, and this yeah. kind of method is actually called asset flipping. Yeah. So yeah. you're just using um, assets that are on the marketplace, buy them, put them together, make a new game with that. Yeah. I mean, those assets are, well, I mean, there's nothing wrong about it. There are um, indie studios and so on that use some of them. But of course, it's not supposed to to be like you buy all of the assets and make your whole game just out of assets. And this by this scamming method is called asset flipping. Yeah. And well, actually what happened is um, that their publisher in cooperation with Steam actually um, made it made it so that even if you played it for longer than two hours, you could get a refund for, for the game. So, uh, yeah. It's, uh, well, and it, it actually turned out that the despite, despite the press saying that after the failure, the studio shut down, but it turns out the studio just reopened in their old name yeah yeah anyway just wanted to mention that because that's um that's actually pretty pretty interesting because that's the first i mean never never heard of that before as i thought i would mention it yeah so bad for those people who were hyped about the trailer in 2021 and then got a well, a game that isn't really a real game two years later. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well, so on the bright side, some good news. Um, the game The Secret of Monkey Island has been ported to the C64. Wow. Yes. This is an achievement. How does it look? It looks like a text adventure. Okay. <laughs> because. It uses the D42 um, Adventure Maker from mm -hmm. out of from out of order, mm -hmm. so it's actually using music, and still pictures, and the rest of the game is graphics. But anyway, it's a conversion somehow um, at port, and it can be downloaded for free from um, Commodore Steam database. All right. So, yeah. Cool. That's it. 
On the other hand, more releases. Sociable Soccer 24 has been released. And here's the thing, because Sociable Soccer was supposed to release um, in in uh, 2017. It was announced in 2016. We had an interview with John Hare for the podcast at Gamescom 2016. And then um, the game was a Kickstarter, but the Kickstarter was cancelled before it finished. And then they actually made it early access on Steam. That also got cancelled. Mm-hmm. And um, then John here announced that they actually sold the license to a Chinese publisher, so the mobile version would come first. Okay. So then, of course, he got a quite a shitstorm because people felt betrayed, and it was actually possible to get a refund. I was one of those people um, that didn't get a refund. I decided to not get a refund. And it happened now that since I didn't get a refund because I didn't ask for one, the new uh, Sociable Soccer 24 has automatically been added to my Steam account. So now I'm proud owner of the game that was released. Oh, well, that was released in, I think it was October, and was actually promised six years ago. I mean, yeah. That's quite a odyssey. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, people are they are really quickly drawing conclusions like, eh, you are run away with with the money and, mm. but I'm one of such people. Um, I really didn't think that John Hare would scare uh, would scam the community. He no. he just went where the money was first. And that was um, the mobile, the mobile market, the smartphone mm-hmm. market, um, in this moment. And um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think um, getting the PC version later would be a scam. Mm. You know, for me, a scam is something like vaporware, um, like a product that never existed or never came to light. In this time, in this in this case, it was actually an announced six years delay, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm glad I didn't get, I didn't ask for a refund because it was added to my Steam account. For those people who who got a license, um, who can prove that they purchased the game uh, six years ago, I mean, you can basically go in your Steam account and have in your look in your purchase history. And then you can see which games you, you bought in 2016, mm-hmm. 2017. And you can send a screenshot with the proof and fill out a form, a Google form, in case the game wasn't automatic, automatically added to your Steam library. And then you would get an, um, a Steam code in that case. All right. Um, yeah, well, so we will link to that. It's actually quite nice. Um, I played the game already. It's um, it's more action driven, mm-hmm. and it's I have to admit, it's such a, such a nice thing. Um, I guess you have heard of it, the latest um, 
FC Soccer from EA and the and the latest um, and the latest eFootball from Konami. Both games were had horrible negative reviews yeah. by gamers and um, press. <coughs> sorry, <coughs> and um, and press alike. So it's it's good to have another football game slash soccer game by one of the pioneers from the genre. And not only the big guys, EA and Konami. Yeah. 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 So if if that is something for you, if you are if you're after more an arcade um soccer game, then Sociable Soccer 24 might be for you. All right. Another another um Game that was released um, recently that I totally, totally passed by m my radar was um, Wrestle Quest mm -hmm. by Mega Cat Studios. Uh, Mega Cat Studios was actually known um, for some years ago. They made some NES cartridge games, some new ones. And um, the interesting thing about Wrestle Quest is actually is it's more like an action wrestling game from the 8-bit era, so it plays more. It's supposed to be more like an well, a C64 or um, I don't know old DOS PC yeah. pixel game, more action driven, not for realism. It's two day. It's two D. We will link to that, of course. Yeah. Yes. And hmm. So, and another news is that's a follow-up from the news we had the last time. Now that threats finally released on the EU, the European Union, we actually are on threats as well. So if you go to threats.net slash at sceneworld64. You can find us there, and um, also myself at Nefcom, and uh, I, I guess you also have. You also no, I, I don't have it yet, but probably I will dive into it. I'm a bit. I think there's too much social media out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. First there was Mastodon, then there was so a Blue Sky. And now, now there is um, there is threats. We are also on Blue Sky, by the way. Um, uh, at I missed the MySpace. I missed the MySpace days somehow. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> the interesting thing about um, about Blue Sky is actually I had a look, and one third of our followers on Twitter are actually with an account on uh, Blue Sky. So. Mm -hmm. From the follower amount, Blue Sky is the most successful social media to this date. So the big second after Twitter, if you are talking about Twitter alternatives. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised that so many people hopped on this social media, especially since it's invite only. Mm -hmm. You know? And of course, Listen. now all the Germans are going on threats, especially. <clears throat> especially 
because you can you can go to threads by just logging in with your Instagram account. So it's super easy. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to sign up. You just change the URL and sign in and voila, you are a member of threads. <clears throat> yes, well, so and last but not least, we have this news. Um, we were informed by one of those large Twitter, I guess, news um, accounts for Sega news called Sega Hoarder. And he he um, told us that a friend of, of him and her mother actually unfortunately got cancer and made a fundraiser so she can afford the um the therapy now you would think why would need uh, why would an european need a fundraiser um because you know european countries have social social health insurance but here's the thing that some therapies are not covered by health insurance if they are experimental or if they are um you know if there if there isn't if they aren't above um, a certain percentage of well success rates i would say yeah, yeah. so yeah so actually the fundraiser url I, I will just mention it here in case you don't want to click on it it's actually fundraiser so f u n d r a z r dot com slash um three two j t j seven that's a direct url and there you can fundraise perhaps you have you have some some bucks you can spare or you can spread around the news. I mean, we have Christmas coming up. Perhaps you have some some coins loose to share. All right. All right. Yes. And on this mark, I would say let's jump to Chris Hillspick and hear what he has to offer for this Enjoy. Christmas season. Enjoy. Bye. Bye bye. Today we have another guest and it's actually a returning guest because now we talk to Chris Hulsbeck. The last time I think was uh, seven years ago when we spoke about your historical career. And today we actually want to talk about what you are doing currently, your current album releases and so on. So welcome back, Chris. Yes, nice to talk to you again. Yes, hi. Nice and to also, talk to you guys. The first time with AJ because uh -huh. in the last three times I interviewed Chris, AJ had no time each. Yeah, I wasn't around. Time exactly, but today we made it nice. So, um, actually, Chris, you presented to me some new albums at Gamescom this year. Perhaps let's talk about um, what you are doing currently and what you presented at Gamescom regarding your music. Yeah, so uh, of course, as usual, the absolute current projects uh, I cannot talk much about um, because they uh, haven't been announced, except for the um, the now almost decade-long project I'm doing with the Spanish company Mansion Games. 
that is uh, has been announced as like a retro kind of uh, shooter um, contra uh, provotector style um, uh, that has been announced a while ago and they're still at it um, it's slow going they're mm -hmm. a small team and uh, uh, I think they um, yeah it just takes them a long time that was originally planned as an original Amiga game Hmm. Uh, but they quickly realized uh, what what their vision was wasn't they weren't able to put that into uh, the Amiga hardware and um, and get that properly done. So eventually they made a demo on PC and they won uh, some uh, some stipends from the government there and other things. And now they're making it actually for uh, PlayStation, I think. That's awesome. the main. That's the main okay. thing. Yeah, uh, and that's called Operation High Jump. Um, you awesome. find them. You find them on Twitter. They uh, post updates there, or X, how it's called now. Yeah, X yeah. Twitter. But <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. it's interesting because I remember back then I asked you if you would participate in new projects that were retro related. If you were asked, and you would said, "Yeah, totally." You know, so it's yeah, nice that's, to hear that you are part that, of that. That's that's exactly up my alley. I mean, um, uh, I um, as we all have nostalgia about the old times, so uh, that it worked well for me. And then I'm on a bunch of other projects right now. As I said, I couldn't talk about, but also uh, last year I uh, I did two projects. Um, one was actually a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was unfortunately for me just released on an Apple Arcade. Uh, that's mm. like the that's the subscription service from Apple. They um, apparently um, uh, published this project and paid for it, so they wanted it exclusive for their platform. Um, for people who have Apple Arcade, uh, check it out. Um, it's uh, called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, Splintered Fate. And okay. um, I made the music for that uh, completely. And uh, pretty pretty cool, though, to have um, that franchise on my resume now. Yeah. Which is interesting because originally, at least for the coin up, Jeruntel was the one that did the soundtrack for the C64 version. So for the home console, uh, for the home computers. So it's surprising that they didn't ask him, to be honest. Well, uh, the one of the guys uh, that founded that company that made it, um, I worked with him at Factor 5. Uh, ah, so connections. In the US. So yeah, nice. yeah. It was okay. like. Uh, yeah, and uh, enjoyed it very much, and it turned out great. Unfortunately, that's one of those projects where I don't know if I can ever release a soundtrack because it's uh, um, due to American law and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they own it all, and mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know if they're interested to put out a soundtrack or not, but I keep asking them. Mm -hmm. okay, so uh, that's that. And then, uh, of course, the other project, which was also one of the albums for Gamescom, uh, Tiny Tour, which uh, has also been a, a longer project that I worked on um, together with uh, my friend Fabian, Fabian Del Priore. Um, and it's very much 
reminded me of like working maybe on a Jana sisters or something. Uh, it's of course um, has some uh, more modern game elements too, but it's very much also like a retro jump and run uh, game and uh, it's been well received. Actually, it was also originally planned as an indie uh, release, indie game. Uh, but then eventually it became so good that it uh, found a publisher and um, so it uh, got a proper release, uh, I think like sh just shortly before Gamescom and then I uh, created the soundtrack CD for it and uh, online of course Bandcamp and stuff like that. Um, and uh, that was also well received, the soundtrack got, got pretty good feedback. Awesome. So I was happy about that. Well, as you mentioned, as you mentioned, Turtles, let me ask you, how did it feel for you to know that you're working on a franchise where Yeruntel was actually doing the home computer conversions of the music? I mean, Yeruntel has a special style of um, music. I mean, he's doing a lot of um, uh, multiplexing with instruments and stuff, at least back then in the 80s, 90s. Did you actually approach some similar style or did you do it your own Chris Hulsbeck style kind of? No, I, I wasn't really even aware of that version. And there's so ah. many Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games out there. I mean, like, uh, I, I think that's one of those franchises where, like, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like 50 different games out there. Um, I went more like, I. I, I rewatched a lot of episodes of the different uh, TV uh, animated series and mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. And I got more, a little bit more inspired by that. But I also wanted to, of course, put my own uh, style um, to the franchise because there were definitely a lot of differences between the different uh, TV shows as well. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. One thing that was very challenging on that project is uh, that it was fully um, depending on the gameplay. So it was interactive, the score. And uh, after I composed the music, I had to cut it up into many little pieces that could loop on their own and mm -hmm. be connected in certain ways and stuff. So that was that was uh, quite a challenge but i think it turned out really well so that that would be a little bit of a challenge too if you would make a soundtrack album because then you have to would have to kind of rearrange those uh those pieces to make like uh, soundtrack um tracks right um, right but yeah that 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 was uh, challenging and fun at the same time awesome Awesome. I remember um, the first time we spoke about your historical uh, historical achievements. I asked you if you had one open wish in your career, and you said you would like to make um, a movie soundtrack like Hans Zimmer. Did that actually happen? Meanwhile, no, it has not. But ah. I have. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting for that fan that becomes a director and wants wants my music in there in a movie. But on the other hand, I also took up the. Uh, I've been dabbling in uh, videography and, and and photo stuff and and things, and now I'm thinking like maybe I want to make a uh, my own short film at some point oh, and then. Okay. 
and then uh, compose my own music to it. Uh, I already did some experiments uh, that I uh, didn't want to publish yet, but uh, okay. I that that is something that I'm that I'm actively working on. So. I mean, doing right. something new is not very uncommon for you. Just remind um, about uh, To Be On Top, which was your first own created uh, computer game. So why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, that, that was an interesting concept, by the way. Um, that was basically somewhat uh, semi-autobiographical, if you will, because right. the protagonist in the game was kind of modeled after my uh, life to a certain extent with uh, lots of uh, creative freedom, of course. But uh, yeah, and and uh, the idea behind that game was that uh, you would create your own music within the game, and then and then have it like rise in the charts and you know become like a pop hit uh, and. Uh, even that then the piece that you created could be in the high score list, which I called the top 10. <laughs> uh, it's like a charts, music charts kind of thing. That mm -hmm. was yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, it's still um, sad that some of the game elements were not as good as they could have been. Uh, I was very new to game development at the time, um, but the music turned turned out uh, very well, of course. I mean, that yeah. is what you are known for, your creativity in music. Um, but but I wonder, I mean, back to your wish of making a score for a movie, isn't it like, wouldn't you run into open doors? I mean, now that even companies like Disney go back into game development, I mean, see, we had Ron Gilbert on the show who said he would never do ever a new Monkey Island and then Disney allowed him to do it. So you could say, hey, I'm I'm the I'm one of the biggest video game musicians. I'm Chris Hulsbeck. Book me for well, your new game project or yeah, something. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, but uh, to be honest, I mean, if you look at like how Hollywood operates, I, I actually I try to get a little bit in there in, in uh, during my time uh, Factor Five. Uh, I visited Hollywood a few times and I had a few connections as well. Um, and I looked at the at the whole industry of movie composers, movie soundtracks, all that stuff. And um, it, I, I got kind of discouraged pretty quick because really? it's, um, it's it's uh, really a situation where you have you maybe have like 3000 composers in in the Hollywood area that are absolute top notch. They're, they're fantastic composers and they most of them have to like work uh, other jobs just right. to get by, right. uh, then maybe like 300 of them can live off their craft, <coughs> of their composing, and then 30 get the big jobs, you know, the, the Hans Zimmers and stuff. That's really right. like right. An, an enormous um, amount of people who are competing there. And uh, then I also, I actually visited the Hans Zimmer studios uh, twice and uh, got like the tour and stuff. Unfortunately, I never met Hans Zimmer personally there, but I got the studio tour and I saw all the uh, aspiring composers there toiling away in like almost dungeon-like studios. Yeah. 
it was it was very depressing to see Ooh. that. Okay. Um, so and of course, I mean, I had my job at at Factor Five. I couldn't just like drop everything and try to build a new career. Um, so I figured, okay, this is not quite for me that way. Um, I I still think. If, if a fan someday comes and, and they're making a big movie and they want my music, I'm totally on board. Uh, I'm ready, <laughs> but uh, I, I won't try to get my foot in the door the classic way because it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it didn't seem the right path for me. Uh, on the other hand, and, and this maybe brings me to the uh, second album I brought to Gamescom, um, which is from my Patreon project. And I think we talked briefly about this in the past. Uh, it's it's become actually quite big for me and quite important because it's uh, music I make for the fans directly. Mm -hmm. And they support me through Patreon with a few dollars um, each month. Um, but it's it's a larger number of fans, so it's a significant income stream for me. Mm. And I create one new music piece there every month. And it's uh, I made the decision a long time ago to make all those pieces royalty free. So I have now around 80 music pieces there and uh, they are all like they can be used by any fan uh, on YouTube or even even in indie games or whatever they like. Mm. Uh, royalty free as long as they support me on Patreon or buy one of my royalty free albums. Uh, they have essentially a, a, a almost blanket license to use the track as they see fit. And um, yeah, and from time to time I release albums, of course, on Bandcamp and uh, they also appear now one by one on Spotify. I found a way to finally get them onto the streaming services without having them uh, appear on the YouTube content ID. Yeah, that was a big problem. I remember when we did the Frankfurt Film Museum, it was a real struggle to convince them that you gave me permission to <laughs> release the video of the interview. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So uh, with, with the uh, Patreon music pieces that are royalty free, they are not even in the system on YouTube. Wow. So okay. uh, they won't, uh, you won't get a um, claim there or anything. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, from so I do albums from time to time. And then and then two years ago at Amiga 37, um, I made the decision to try again to release a new album. And uh, that was uh, Lucid Dreaming, which was the best of the Patreon project pieces. And uh, um, finally, after like uh, almost 15, 16 years of not releasing uh, a CD album on its own, I mean, I did like the um, uh, the Kickstarter projects with um, the Tarakan uh, anthology and then and then the orchestral recordings there of course we made cds for those but they were essentially like supported by the uh, kickstarter uh, backers and uh, essentially like a pre-order so it was safe to make a cd but uh, for the uh, lucid dreaming that was really an experiment could could i bring an album to one of these events and recoup the um, production costs and it worked and so thanks for the fans to uh, 
to support me and uh, and, and buy those albums because that actually encouraged me to uh, think about Gamescom and um, and Amiga uh, 38 this year, and I decided to actually make two albums. Uh, one was Tiny Thor, of course, uh, the soundtrack, and then another uh, Patreon album, which is, which is called Dress to Dress to Chill, because it's a little bit more <laughs> relaxed music on there. Right. Uh, so, thought that was a fitting title, and um, and they both also recouped their production costs. So thank you very much. Okay. We still have a lot of them. I have a new partner now uh, in, in Germany called uh, Black Screen Records. And they are doing my shop from now on. Um, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, so the one of the reasons, first of their they're very cool uh, people and they specialize in, in game music and um, um, vinyl recordings and other things and, and um, the I met them two years ago at Gamescom and uh, had like an immediate connection with them and also uh, from this year on I think it started in January uh, a new law came into effect with the um, uh, Mehrwertsteuer the, the value added tax right. that you have to uh, now a charge and also pay in Europe for anything that gets ordered by a European. Yeah. And that creates creates a huge problem for me sitting in the US here and organizing all that. So I didn't want to deal with that anymore. And since Black Screen Records have their own shop and they're dealing with that stuff all the time anyway, I figured uh, let them do all the distribution and they just pay me a royalty and then I don't have to worry about uh, those tax situations. Yeah. In Germany, it was even earlier. It started um, July 1st, uh, 2021. And mm -hmm. the thing is that um, when the IOSS, the electronic prechargement, when the marking on the address label is missing, the government, the customs don't refund you. They, mm -hmm. they just keep the, the double money. That's because I, yeah. I tried That's many nice times and they're like, if, if the marking on the address label is missing that you already paid, bad luck, you know, ask yeah. the sender to refund you. Exactly. So it, it just became like too much of a trouble. So now I have that all uh, being taken care of by Black Screen Records and I just receive a royalty check. And, and, awesome. and the, yeah, so good partners uh, that will um, their shop is already there. There's a few items there and more will come online in the next few weeks and then uh, hopefully continue this, maybe <laughs> make another album next year, maybe even vinyl. That's something uh, like a collectible uh, yeah. vinyl we were talking about. So things are in the works and then I'm working on some other game projects. And yeah, so things are progressing. That's actually what AJ and I talked privately about. You you are you are branching out doing a lot of other music, not just game soundtracks, which is a, a lot different from other old pioneering composers like Yevontel, just to name one, who is like, no, I'm doing only music for games and nothing else. And I always appreciated that you say, okay, I, I make my own album, my own style of music, and not just rely on one thing, and that's video game music. Right, right. 
I mean, you have to remember when I started out um, composing music, I wanted to do synthesizer music like, uh, you know, Jean-Michel Jarre, or Tangerine Dream, Kraftwerk, those things. Those were my idols as a teenager. And um, we talked about this, how I couldn't afford all the machinery and synthesizers and, yep. and all that stuff. Uh, so the Commodore 64 gave me that outlet of like um, composing music and I wasn't even thinking about game music in the beginning. I just wanted to compose music uh, for for the music's sake. And right. then and then it became a career and I'm I'm absolutely thankful for that. And, and, and um, uh, I enjoy doing game music as well. But uh, my dream always has been to just be a composer no matter how the music is, you know, listened to or uh, enjoyed. Um, so, of, of course, I'm I'm always looking for for other things. I also have um, some collaborations and other things planned. So I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not retiring. I'm trying new things and um, I'm uh, also uh, I mentioned on my social media that I'm planning to build a house. Um, so uh, the uh, uh, roaming around as a nomad is kind of like uh, at, <laughs> at the end now. And uh, I bought some land in southern Arizona and I'm in the process of uh, figuring out how to build a house. I have plans already from an architect um, i'm just uh, scraping together the budget to get started to build mm. awesome so you are settling yourself now yes yes even though i mean i will keep the rv and um, uh, still might travel around every now and then but uh, i want that that fixed home base and yeah uh, and, ha and have a studio again. That's another thing. So there will be a dedicated room in there for my for my music stuff. Yeah. Awesome. And what you say brings up a good point that I've made a couple of times in that, you know, a lot of people will say, um, you know, uh, why why still, you know, why, why are you still using the C64 to do stuff? And and in my, you know, I, I was I was I, I, I do graphics on the thing. And to me, it's not, you know, it's 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 a tool. It's a tool that you use. And you mentioned, you know, you wanted to do synthesizer stuff, but you didn't have the budget to put together, you know, all the equipment. And the C64 became the tool that you used. And yep. so in that respect, like, it doesn't become obsolete just because there's different tools available. It is still, it's still a tool that you use to do your particular, you know, art form. Whether yeah, that be graphics in, or music or whatever. In in fact, in the last few projects, I used C64 sounds in my music, mm -hmm. even though it's done with modern equipment and, and plugins and all that. There is actually there are plugins that emulate the SIDCHIP mm -hmm. for music production. And there was like a, a number of years ago, there was even like a um, hardware maker that made like a setup box uh, synthesizer with SID chips inside. Oh, yes, yeah, so you the mean the hardset? Oh, yeah, no, or, yeah, the SID station or, or, from Electron. Exactly, SID station. So it was, like a, it was like a MIDI yeah. box where you could connect the keyboard and then play the SID chip from a MIDI keyboard and right. those kind of things. So that 
tells you how enduring that sound is and mm -hmm. how I still enjoy it to this day to incorporate in some of my modern tracks. Right. Uh, absolutely. We are still waiting for a tune for the Scene World magazine from you. <laughs> oh, on the C64? On the C64, yes. <laughs> I mean, I got here Runtel to do one, so... Okay. So well, you... let's talk about if I can if I can do it with the uh, SID emulation, then yeah. If you need it, like to play on a on a C64, then I might need help by somebody to transcribe it. I actually, oh. my last time I uh, worked on my tools was a few years back. Okay. Um, for the Tarek and orchestral selection, we made like a um, bonus disc with. Uh, original new Amiga sound, um, like a virtual uh, Tarikon 4 soundtrack. And uh, mm -hmm. then on this bonus disc, there were also some bonus pieces, and two of them were C64. Uh, one actually was uh, transcribed by and, and reworked by Jason Page, and the other one I did um, uh, and uh, worked with the old TFMX tool. Ah. And uh, yeah, okay. so uh, that was crazy. It's <laughs> I can't. Jason Page is the one who did also did the soundtrack of Hang On on the Commodore 64. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was fun to work again with the C64, but it's it's a hassle. It's definitely not like I can sit down there and like a like a 20 year old just hack away like I used to. It's uh, <laughs> very, very hard work. Yeah. But okay. But let's talk about it. I mean, I mean, we are we are trying to keep the magazine on for a few more years, so you still have time, basically. Okay. <laughs> That's nice. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> so, so um, do you have any dreams still in the career now that you say? You gave up your movies, theme idea. Well, I don't think basically. he gave it up. He just, uh, he just, he just changed that's, it's, priority. It's, it's related to my other dream to, um, you know, do something, maybe create a short movie myself. Hmm. And uh, then, then of course, I'll compose the music to my own movie. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm working towards that. Um, hey. And, and you have... You have many nice. venues right now, you know, or these days you can you can upload your your short movie to YouTube and have an audience there. And so that might be that might be something fun to do. Or another thing would be uh, to maybe uh, do some documentary work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why not? Um, there is actually here in the in the uh, town that I live in now, um, or I live outside of town, but. Uh, uh, this is my new home is uh, Bisbee, Arizona. Uh, they have this one street that uh, is kind of like stuck in the 50s, 60s uh, that they uh, preserve from that time frame. And it looks very cool. And I was, uh, there's people who want to restore that also. And I thought like, oh, that might be an option where I don't need like a script or uh, actors, I can just interview the people that are living there and trying right. to preserve that that street. And um, so, yeah, some documentary work, um, short movie that would be cool. Uh, more albums. Uh, one thing that the Patreon has really done is I could 
realize my dream of just making the music that I want to do without having to conform it to a game or something. Right. So uh, I've done a lot of uh, every month I pick a different theme or something that I that I want to try out. And some of them were like, okay, this month I'm making a song that sounds a little bit like Tangerine Dream. And boom, there it is. It's it's been fun. It's been well received by the fans and I can I can uh, do all those things that I wanted to do as a teenager. So awesome. Yeah, right. Patreon is opening a new world to many creators nowadays. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, wow. You know. Um, so you, you mentioned collaboration. And, and, royalty, and, and creating royalty-free music. So you're creating music that anyone can just use. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, it's yeah. you know, it's, it's really kind of a that's providing a, a service, kind of. An added bonus, yeah. It's probably also the... the the fairest deal in terms of uh, royalty-free music that you can get, uh, mm -hmm. because you can just join the Patreon at like one dollar or whatever, and then or one euro, and then download all the pieces if you want to, and cancel next month. Well, of course, I would hope that uh, fans <laughs> would stay on and see what I come up with next month and support me that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that that's like a very fair deal to then be able to use the music. Chris Hulsbeck, real life hack. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if you could get a deal to get it listed in the music library from YouTube, that could be a I, big deal. I actually inquired about that, but uh, they they did uh, send me probably a boilerplate email back or something that they're Ooh. currently not taking any submissions. Ah. Right. Uh, so I have a feeling it's a it's another one of those things where you need like connections internally, mm -hmm. uh, even though they they say you can contact them, but nobody can make a decision. But if you know somebody, they might be able to make it happen. So, uh, you know, that's something that maybe uh, if Black Screen Records becomes bigger over the years, maybe they can make a deal like that happen. Right. Um, or I, I have actually some other friends who do um, also music licensing for film and TV. So maybe they will have an, a foot in the door there at some point. Yeah, things, things like that are exciting and um, there's still a lot to be done over the years. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, those big companies are always a hassle. I remember until we got our podcast listed on Spotify, we had to send out the same form like six times until they took us serious, you know? So I yeah. totally get you here, you know? But I mean, Chris Hilsbeck is a name, you know? I mean, surely somebody from YouTube knows who you are, you know, at, at some point. Oh yeah, you would think. I, you would think at least. I, I would think, but they probably haven't seen that. Uh, so maybe if they follow you, they can contact me. <laughs> well, hopefully. I, I got I got like 80 music pieces ready to go. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Oh, very nice. Or you could you could ask um, people um, who are big YouTubers. I mean, those people usually have management connections to YouTube. I mean, like the 8-bit guy or Kronk for the German. Who? It's actually uh, not a bad idea. A, um, yeah. But yeah, I, there's still a lot to 
that that I that I could try to get the music out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just for reference, for AJ Kronk is the one of the biggest German gamer YouTubers. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. German, not yeah. your language. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, just my 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 idea, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so, are there any plans for next year that you can talk about that aren't a secret? Well, I I kind of hinted that uh, <laughs> I uh, want to do more stuff with Black Screen Records, of course, and we are already like looking what could we bring to Gamescom next year. And one of the ideas was to uh, create another album and possibly awesome. a vinyl release as well for people who are collecting vinyl records, which which is uh, has really become a thing now. Uh, who would have thought like uh, 15, 20 years ago, uh, when when the music industry was uh, basically uh, going down the drain for a while, um, it helped us indie indie uh, artists, you know, that that whole thing was was MP3s and all that. But uh, I mean, at some point, like vinyl was so bad that um, they uh, the the um, pressing plants were like. Um, uh, the, in, nobody was even making the machines anymore. So when the right. when then the uh, um, uh, the demand was increasing again, they couldn't like keep up with making vinyls. Eventually, like if, I remember, like if, uh, just two or three years ago, you had to wait like for six months to get your vinyl pressed because wow. they were so busy and they didn't have the capacities to do it anymore. And right. so I heard that now because of the increased demand, there were actually a bunch of people who were making new tools and new new pressing hardware. So it's gotten better. And, and also I, I heard also I heard that uh, records, vinyls, as they are called now, have problems like they have to be mastered very well because at some frequencies, like a big, a deep bass, You actually could happen that the needle is jumping out of the groove uh, because of bad mastering. Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, definitely its own kind of um, art form to to get music mastered for vinyl. Uh, I actually the uh, mastering studio that I used a lot um, from my first CD and then over the years on many other projects is uh, Paula Acoustics in in Nordheim, and they always had like a special heart for vinyl even when it was not in demand they were still doing it and they uh, they have one of the few I think there's like only a handful of machines that can do that uh, direct metal mastering where they actually cut the groove into a metal disc instead of a um, what's the usual that they use I don't know what that exactly is but uh, normally it's being uh, cut into a plastic of some sort and then you make the um, uh, the um, I don't know what they're called really I'm not an expert on that but before you press it you have to transfer it but because they're cutting the grooves into metal discs the direct metal mastering um, the quality is much better but mm. you still have to uh, uh, certain limitations when it comes to like frequencies and how how close together you how much music you can actually get on a vinyl on uh, because the 
the more music you want to fit on there, the closer you have to bring the grooves together. And right. as you said, like it's not just jumping the needle on the bass. A bass needs wider grooves. Mm-hmm. So you cannot put as much music on there if you have heavy bass. Um, so those are all considerations. It's really an art form. It's I'm uh, always amazed when when I visited them and seeing the um, the uh, machines and all that. It's it's quite amazing. I and actually did... just picked up a vinyl turntable the other day. I, I would like to get one. Uh, I have a few vinyls saved from... And I, I used to have quite a good record collection in the 80s, of course. And then CDs came out and eventually they um, one by one vanished. Uh, but I, I, I kept a few and then, of course, we did vinyl for our orchestral albums and other things. Um, I would like to get one again, but I don't have room right now. Uh, right. When, once I have that house built and my own studio, <laughs> then I can have a record player again. Yeah. I wonder, did you consider going back into music cassettes? Because that's the newest type. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, heard about that. Yeah. And I yeah. actually, I got myself a boombox like two years ago from eBay, uh, a boombox that I used to have in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got it and it was, it had supposedly problems with the tape deck. And then when I got it and I cleaned it up and I fixed the uh, speakers they had delaminated and all that, I realized the seller didn't know what they were doing. It was like a double tape deck, uh, one behind the other. And um, uh, he complained that it couldn't like rewind the tape, but only one of the two slots was for rewinding. The other one was just for playback. So you could... (sighs) you could copy a tape from one to the other. So you didn't realize that. So there was nothing really wrong with the tape deck. It was functioning perfectly. I love so it. I was like quite happy about that. Um, I actually got like myself that. this year, my first real Walkman, oh. you know? Oh, so, hey. Yeah. And and I was actually surprised to what detail some tapes are done. I mean, you, you probably all know Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and and for the soundtrack music cassettes, they actually did the mastering like you would in the uh, in the silent parts between the, the different songs. You would actually hear like faint old recordings. Yeah, like, like it's been recorded least. over. Yeah, yeah, like it was recorded over on, many, many that, times. You know, they did that on purpose. Yeah, probably yeah, to, totally to, to make it more authentic. Yeah, totally uh, amazing. I was but, like, yes. And and there is something to be said about that. You know, like when you were recording on a high quality tape back in the day, it was a good tape deck. Um, you you were adding some kind of compression that the tape does by itself. You know, and it had like its own sound quality that is very difficult to replicate nowadays with like perfect uh, digital recordings. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't thought about it directly. Uh, That's probably something I could discuss with uh, Black Screen Records. I don't know if they uh, done that. I think they have and uh, that might be another fun thing to do. I mean, I hey, that's part of the charm too of the of yeah, those old exactly. analog yeah. recordings, the, exactly. the the tapes and the records and whatnot. Is that everybody has? You know, I had and I've told the story a thousand times, but I used to have um, the Pink Floyd album, the Division Bell, on cassette, 
and it was a really badly made it was a cheap cassette like it was like this yeah. really soft plastic it was like i think it was blue and there was a part where you know my my tape deck had eaten the cassette had eaten the tape and so there's a part in one of the songs that dips out but yeah. that's how I listened to the song for years because that's the cassette I had. <laughs> then I finally yeah. get it on CD or I download it or whatever, and I'm like, I'm wait every time to this day when I listen to this song, I wait for that dip in the audio, and it's not there, yeah, yeah. and it bothers me because it's like this is the way I listened to it for years. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. like everyone totally. has that individualized experience with it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that might be interesting because. Um, uh, I would want it to be done like properly though, mm -hmm. so that yeah. you get like the best quality. Because nowadays, like most of the time, when you buy a, a empty cassette now, for example, it's usually like a very cheaply made one. Yeah. So you would have to like really find um, a manufacturer that can make like a chrome or, um, yeah, like probably chrome tape. That would be the most authentic. Yeah. Or, or you do it. You do it like the Guardians of the Galaxy and make it yeah. on purpose bad to to mimic the '80s feeling. Um, but interesting thing is, even um, limited run games um, started mm -hmm. this year. Actually, la no, two months ago. To um, you can pre-order all the soundtracks from all from all Turtle Arcade games. And I missed I missed the pre-order window for the last two tapes. And then I figured that the printing company is actually in Cologne, Germany. Oh yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so I actually can get it cheaper from Germany and pre-order it from the pressing company directly than ordering it from the US where it's shipped from Cologne to USA and then to USA to Mannheim where I live. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> So, so even in Germany, even in Cologne, there is a company that specialized on on tape mastering. Right. Pretty interesting, and it's not even very expensive. I think it's around twenty euros or something per per album. It's pretty reasonable. I was surprised, you know. Tell that to somebody in the nineties. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 pretty cool. I I think uh, uh, there's still potential there. And it's 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 fun. I I you know I grew up in the eighties. Um, I I love all that stuff. So. True. Yeah. The, yeah. the only well, problem is there's only one company doing the cassettes mechanics anymore, and those quality is like meh. Yeah, yeah. You you really need like a classic tape deck, and uh, hope that you can like repair it because all the the um, the rubber belts inside usually have to be replaced and yeah. things like that but you know that comes exactly. with the territory exactly mm -hmm. yeah hey awesome <laughs> so hey perhaps we have something for you um, yeah tape. definitely something to it think is, about yeah yes, absolutely hey. I mean you would already have a customer with me you know and the the thing with tapes is you know with uh, CDs and vinyl you have to have a certain number to make it worthwhile but mm -hmm. i think with tape since they have to just like um they duplicated essentially was a row of tape decks in a right thing so right. you can probably just order 50 of them and not get like a much worse price than if you ordered uh, 500 
-hmm. it's uh, essentially the same amount of work for them to duplicate them. So uh, right. I, th I think there's something to that. And for for the right collector, um, that would be that would be something cool to bring. Um, so I'll think about it for sure. Awesome, awesome. Let, let us know. Let us yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and they take less space than CDs and vinyls. Oh, that's a good point. I still have my old tapes. So that's like over all the moves and uh, downsizings and uh, RV life. We, we had like a storage space uh, near the old uh, house. Now we have it all here. Uh, but uh, the tapes survived. They huh. were in a nice nice sealed plastic box and they're still there and when i got that boom box i pulled out one of my old tapes and it played perfectly so it's uh, it's pretty remarkable yeah. except if those tapes were stored inside the car and the sun was directly shining yeah, that's, and then that's the shells were thing. bending you mean like mine and then the shells were bending, and then you would put it in your your in your car radio, and it would be like a. <laughs> <laughs> That's that so. special special authenticity there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes, I I remember my grandfather cracking open the shells and changing the spools and putting it into an empty shell just to survive, just to make the tape. Wow survived because it would be too expensive to buy the cassette new again you know so yeah, that yeah. were good old times you know yeah or gluing together ripped ripped tapes also very yeah that has happened to the past of course oh yeah oh yeah i used to be really good at that you get get the cut the tape just right and get it on there and stuff and yeah splice together you know yeah actually interesting that you mentioned it because you said chris that the quality of the tape is sometimes bad nowadays actually when the sugar babes released their 20th the anniversary the sugar babes sugar babes is a british pop group and okay. um, they uh, when they released their 20th anniversary album on tape i ordered it from uh, from their homepage it was so bad that it didn't survive one playthrough, and I had to buy, uh, had to order a replacement, oh, and no. that was like, wow, that's really bad. You yeah, know? yeah, no, I wouldn't want that. So um, I would want like quality tape, um, like a, like a chrome tape or something like that. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right, hey. Um, so now that you mentioned it a couple of times, where can people find your stuff, especially your new distribution partner yeah. for for the album release and stuff? Yeah, so they're called Black Screen Records and um, you can find them on Google, of course. I mean, um, and uh, if you they have a search uh, function in their uh, website there, we type in Hultzbeck and then you find all the releases. Um, I will also um, Put a link on my website soon once the the shop is complete with all the stuff um and uh, yeah and my stuff of course is on bandcamp it's on uh, it's on itunes it's on spotify all those all those streaming platforms as well and uh, yeah but for physical stuff if you want any of the cds that are made or anything else um, you can find it at black screen records Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think I got one of your last ones from Rebel Assault, one of my favorite game soundtrack from the PC from 97. 
That's the extreme assault. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's a pretty cool one. Awesome. Yeah, I remember you made a comment about it. Like, wow, you all, you you buy from me the oldest CD that I have with me. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's still awesome. a few of those, and that was the first album I did with Fabian Del Priore as well. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Collaborator. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, from Extreme Assault to Tiny Thor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just for reference, Extreme Assault was the first game that required you to have a Pentium MMX. Um, okay. So I actually had to upgrade, as a teenager, I had to upgrade my computer so I could play the game. That was quite, nice. quite a hefty wow. thing, you know. So all my pocket money went to the upgrade to play this game. And then I was like, wow, the soundtrack is cool. And then I was like, wow, Chris Hillsbeck. <laughs> you know? nice. So, woo, yeah, that was well, thank actually, you. yeah, well, all, all your, your, your efforts, you know, and I'm very glad that you went on to the show today to talk about the new stuff you are doing yeah. because most interviews about are about what you have been done in the past and, there are hundreds of those, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, awesome. I'm, I'm still very much uh, working on games and and soundtracks and stuff like that. So I'm not awesome. only living in the past. <laughs> awesome, sounds perfect. Awesome. So enjoy the rest of your day. Happy Chris. holidays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then. Have a good one. Awesome. Yes, bye bye. Nice to uh, meet AJ. Yes. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Until then. Bye bye. 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 B